When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is time for the Silver Bullets podcast. I am Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, we are back as we continue to uh, count the days before Ohio State takes part in the college football playoff with a huge, huge game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And in the meantime, there's a lot of other news. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, and since you and I last spoke, there's... There's plenty to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, even though you know bowl preparations are, you know, first and foremost on the Ohio State staff, you know, priority list. There's a lot of other things, like you said, that are still going on in and around the program. Yeah, let's start with I think some unfinished business from last week. You know, last week we knew that Kevin Wilson was going to go to Tulsa. We did not know when Kevin Wilson was going to go to Tulsa. <laughs> we do now know that Kevin Wilson is going to be coaching through the playoff in some capacity with Ohio State. So he is uh, he's wanting to see this thing through, which will be, I think, of I think will be helpful for Ryan Day. I'm not sure it'll be helpful for Tulsa to have his attention split. I'm not sure it'll be helpful to Ohio State in the end if his attention is split. But if he says he can do it, then I trust that he will give it his his best shot. And in the meantime, we also know that Keenan Bailey, longtime uh, staffer, has uh, been named the new tight end coach. So, yeah, first and foremost, uh, I guess, officially, congratulations to Kevin Wilson, because it was widely speculated and, you know, was not official when we recorded last week. So officially, you know, congratulations to Kevin Wilson. And I think he will do a fine job eventually at Tulsa. Last week, I also made the point that I would have I would have suspected that he would have left for Tulsa considering with the early signing period. So to your point that you just made, obviously Kevin Wilson believes that he can uh, be of, you know, of tremendous assistance to Ohio state in their bowl preparations. And by the same token, do whatever he needs to do as it relates to recruiting and hiring staff at Tulsa. Uh, It remains to be seen, but uh, you know, Kevin Wilson has been so important to Ohio State over the last several seasons, especially for Ryan Day. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. As for Keenan Bailey, congratulations to him. That uh, did become official over the weekend. And uh, as you said, he was kind of always uh, in a support staff role, uh, you know, on the offensive side. I think from, from everything that I have read online about Keenan Bailey, and this is not meant as a uh, shot at his coaching acumen, but his true benefit is with regards to the recruiting uh, prowess that he brings, that he is widely regarded within the the program as one of the best recruiters now on the staff. Um, that he, he was always behind the scenes, but you know a lot of the – a lot of the players uh, that would commit to Ohio State had great things to say about Keenan Bailey. Now that he's on the staff, I think 
you know, Ohio State's going to probably use him uh, as effectively as possible within recruiting. Sure. I mean, if you're the tight end coach, you got like six, seven guys tops to worry about. You're just, <laughs> you don't have, well, a, you don't have a big group. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's face it. And this is not meant as a, this is not meant as a slam on um, the Ohio state tight ends, but let's face it with, with the starting tight end is a converted linebacker slash defensive end. Another member of the tight end group is a you know, quasi fullback. Uh, and another one is a converted wide receiver. So that is to say that, you know, maybe, maybe with, you know, when it comes to recruiting, maybe they will actually get a bump when it comes to, you know, at being able to identify more athletic, capable tight ends, you know, that are actually native to the position rather than being converted to the position. Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, we don't throw to the tight ends. So, <laughs> well, it's always the year of the tight end. Yeah. It's always the year of the tight end at Ohio State. Chip, I, I don't want to hear you say not to slam uh, to preface any more comments. Slam away. <laughs> you're, you're, you're free to slam. Well, Festivus is coming up. You know, the airing of grievances, you know, That's we right. do celebrate that here in the Minnick household. You so I'll try it. Is, is your poll? We do have we do have the poll up. You know we you know I do find tinsel distracting. Um, you know the the feats of strength, the feats of strength. You know it. You know I don't know if I've ever, ever shared with you, but you know it's basically you know like all three of my children who are I'm going to say that they're adults. I mean like my my daughter is 20 and my twin sons are 18. So I I take on three people all by myself. It was a heck of a lot easier when my children were all smaller and my wife had to. So, you know, Festivus is not over until I'm pinned. So now it's just a matter of getting out of this without getting hurt by my three adult children in the the process. I'm sure they enjoy it much more now than they did then. (laughs) I'm sure they do. All right. So, uh, so that's a, that's what's going on with the coaching right now. We don't have a, a clear understanding. We probably won't for some time of what the official offensive coordinator designation will be and, and how everything will, will shake out. But, um, you know, those are conversations that will probably take place after the season. I'm sure that Brian Hartline's name will be involved there. And, um, and who knows, maybe an external search. I, I don't know how that's going to go, but we'll, First things first, there's a lot of uh, a lot of football left to be played. We're hoping a lot of football left to be played, as in multiple games, but we'll see. And uh, in the meantime, uh, let's get to some of the other news that's more player-related. And let's start with some of the accolades. And that means when you're talking about accolades and athletes at Ohio State, you have to talk about the best player on the Ohio State Buckeyes, which is... Marvin Harrison. You thought I was going to say CJ Stroud, but it's Marvin Harrison. Uh, I would go so far as to say that in a just world, Marvin Harrison would have been in New York for the Heisman ceremony because I believe him to be one of the best players in the game. And so uh, that's one man's opinion. It is uh, not shared uh, widely, I guess, but it is shared widely that He's a damn good receiver, even though he didn't win the Bolitnikoff Award and, and no disrespect intended to Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt had a great season. He runs very fast. I don't think he made all the catches that Marvin Harrison Jr. made. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. showed himself to be a more complete wide receiver than Jalen Hyatt or than, than Hyatt did this year. And I think he should have been the Bolitnikoff winner, but I don't get to make that decision. Marvin Harrison Jr., though, however, Chip is a consensus All-American. He has uh, been named such by the Associated Press, Pro Football Focus, The Athletic, Bleacher Report, Walter Camp Football, and the Football Writers Association of America. That means he's going to get a tree in Buckeye Grove. And he has a chance. He needs the Sporting News and American Football Coaches Associations to name him first-team All-American to become a unanimous All-American, and that would make him the first since Wyatt Davis in 2020. Well, that's something. I, I was going to say I uh, wasn't aware that the Sporting News and uh, 
what was the last the last one that you mentioned? Uh, the American the, Football the, Coaches Association. Okay, so the AFCA. I, I was not aware that those two organizations had not released their All American teams yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I was aware of the fact that he was named, uh, you know, by the by the Associated Press and Walter Camp, uh, a number of those other organizations. Uh, so this is so richly deserved by Marvin Harrison Jr., especially when you think about. You know, coming into this season, yeah, he had that tremendous Rose Bowl game last year. And, you know, I think back to when he was a true freshman as an early enrollee in the spring game and and people were excited. So even with all of that in the background, there was still concern about, okay, well, Ohio State's just lost Garrett Wilson. They lost Chris Olave. Are they going to be able to replace them? Marvin Harrison Jr. looked good in the Rose Bowl, but is he ready? And he answered that with an exclamation point. Absolutely had a tremendous year. And to the points that you made about being deserving of the Blitnikoff Award, I could not agree more. I think, yes, that Jalen Hyatt is a fine wide receiver, but I'm not sure if he has nearly the the, the body control, the hands, the willingness to go across the, the middle, let's face it, and take some some wicked shots um that Marvin Harrison Jr displayed this season. Mm-hmm. And and the ability to get those feet in bounds uh, that Marvin Harrison showed. Like I said, I I've, I've watched a lot of Tennessee's games and Hyatt's very impressive, but he does he did not show me all of the tools that Marvin Harrison Jr showed me this year. So I I think that the other thing that you have to remember as well about Marvin Harrison Jr is he was not supposed to be the guy getting the best cover corner from the other team this year. That was supposed to be Jackson Smith and Jigba, but he's been gone all year. So he had to step up his game, not only as a first-year starter, but as the man going up against the best opponent, uh, you know, the the best cover man that the opponents could throw at him. So um, it's very impressive what he did this year. So, for him to be a, a consensus All-American is not a surprise. Congratulations to Marv. And um, hopefully he will finish this off and become a unanimous All-American to make up for the the slight by the voters for the Bolitnikoff Award. Um, when the AP uh, list came out this week, uh, that also included second teamers from the Buckeyes, Paris, uh, Paris Johnson Jr., Dewan Jones, Tommy Eichenberg, and Ronnie Hickman all Named to the second team uh, by the Associated Press, which is is good I'm, uh, and deserving. I was a little surprised that Hickman was there. Eichenberg's been on a second teamer on a lot of these lists, which which tells me that these guys need to watch more football games because Tommy Eichenberg is just all over the field every game, and and probably should have been on at least one or two of more of these first teams. But uh, you know, it's that's still a nice honor. Yeah, I I completely agree about Tommy Eichenberg. I'm surprised that he hasn't been named more to, to more first teams, uh, especially when you consider, I mean, how important he was to the Ohio State defense. I mean, just the sizable gap between Tommy Eichenberg and you know the the next player. I mean, it, it's about like thirty some tackles. Uh, let alone the fact that Tommy Eichenberg played the latter portion of the season with broken hands. Uh, and never, ever his, his level of play never, ever fell off. So I agree with you. I think Tommy Eichenberg is certainly more deserving of first team, all American accolades. Um, and as far as the other players, congratulations to them. Uh, you know, I, I realize that, uh, when it comes to, uh, Paris Johnson Jr. or Dewan Jones, there's some kind of mixed opinions i know that we have talked about you know when it when it comes to dewan jones like the the false start penalties how frustrating that's been mm-hmm. uh ronnie hickman his play kind of fell off near the near the end of the season like i said a few moments ago i think tommy eichenberg played at a consistently high level so i'm surprised he's not getting more and more more and more accolades as as he's well deserving yeah i agree with that uh chip the senior bowl came a calling. And Zach Harrison has answered that call. Zach Harrison has accepted an invitation to play in the Senior Bowl, so congratulations to him. I think that Zach Harrison improved his draft stock this year, but 
perhaps not as much as he we would have thought when when he came out of high school very highly recruited um he may go on to have a, a fantastic nfl career he certainly has the physique to have it he he showed at times in this this particular season he showed at times he can be dominating uh there wasn't a consistently dominating presence from him all year but this was his best season i think easily uh easily his best season and you're right he never really had the disruptive presence that i think ohio state fans were expecting you know considering he came in uh, as the highest rated player within his recruiting class i think what he demonstrated this year is maybe not necessarily a knack for getting to the passer but certainly with those long arms and ability to swat passes down at the line of scrimmage. And I know it's not the same as the sacks. Uh, It's not nearly as um, disruptive to an offense, but, you know, the fact, I think at that higher level, you know, who's to say that, uh, you know, he couldn't possibly play kind of maybe like as a, as a, you know, maybe as a tweener, as you know, possibly as a as a defensive tackle, if not a defensive end, as well as the fact that I mean, he has tremendous athletic ability for a, a guy of that size. It wouldn't be surprising if at the Senior Bowl, because this is where those kind of things start to happen. Uh, if a team that is there, that is, let's say, that plays a three-four defense that might picture him as maybe as an outside linebacker. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure that he necessarily could uh make that transition but it wouldn't be surprising to me based on with those long arms you know possibly giving him an opportunity to see what he could do as a, as a pass rushing outside linebacker in a three four yeah so uh congrats to zach harrison and of course he has at least one more game to show what he can do and maybe two so we'll uh we'll hope for the two um that brings us to cj stroud we came full circle C.J. Stroud went to New York City. Uh, He did not win the Heisman. We kind of felt like that would be the case. He finished third in the Heisman voting behind the the winner, Caleb Williams, who, uh, as I mentioned on the show, I thought that he would get my vote if I had one. Caleb Williams has has been – he has elevated what I think is a mediocre USC team to within one win of getting into the college football playoff. And just just by being the difference on that team, so I think that Williams was a deserving winner. And then uh, Max Duggan from TCU snuck in at number two, and I I don't think he's a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud. Maybe he's a better overall all around football player. Um, but uh, I, I thought you know C.J. Stroud I think got a, a couple of more votes than he did last year, but uh, he will apparently uh, assuming that he leaves after this season. Uh, leave college without the Heisman, but uh, a two-time finalist is uh, is nothing to be ashamed of. Not at all. And to your point about you know Caleb Williams, absolutely, I think he was well deserving. I agree that USC would be a completely different team without the efforts that that Caleb Williams. We we saw glimpses of it uh, the other a uh, couple weeks ago in the Pac-12 championship game, at least. Uh, that was probably the extent of, I think, most people, because let's face it, with the Pac-12, their media coverage, you know, is is poor, to to put it mildly. Uh, it'll, you know, with USC, US, US, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, uh, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get, uh, obviously, when they join the conference in a couple of years, we'll see them more frequently and have a better understanding as to, uh, what's going on out there. But getting back to Max Duggan, I think what you just said about him being a more complete football player, that's one of the valid criticisms, I think, of C.J. Stroud that Ohio State fans have had over the last two years is that nobody denies his ability as a passer. His accuracy is tremendous. Uh, obviously, the the record books are are testimony to what he has done as as a quarterback however his aversion to running and say what you will about ryan day telling him to do that or cj stroud just being reluctant to do that i think that that kind of hurts him overall and just kind of like that like you said just that overall 
definition of a of a football player. I think Max Duggan isn't nearly the passer that CJ Stroud is, but I think I think Iran is something that he's more of a complete football player. Yeah. When I thought about the Heisman and I thought about what these players would do on each other's teams. I don't know that CJ Stroud would have taken USC as far as Caleb Williams did. And I think Caleb Williams could have taken Ohio state as far as CJ Stroud did, especially if he was allowed to run the football. We don't really know what Ryan day tells his quarterbacks. What we do know is that CJ Stroud, like you said, seems reluctant to run that, that tells me that he's kind of being coached not to run. And when you look at what Justin Fields has done in the NFL, as opposed to what he did at Ohio State, that tells me Ryan Day would really rather not have his quarterbacks running down the field. Certainly. I will. I mean, I realize we are going to talk in greater detail about Ohio State and Georgia in a future podcast. I will make the argument now that I'm not saying that it has to be part of the game plan to run C.J. Stroud, but if C.J. Stroud shows that reluctance, or I think I mean there are numerous occasions where if the the pocket broke down, C.J. Stroud scrambling with you know running with his back <laughs> to the 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 play behind him, trying to avoid getting sacked, that will turn out disastrously for Ohio State. They need C.J. Stroud to recognize if the receivers are covered or if the pocket breaks down, he needs to run for positive yardage against a very ferocious and aggressive Georgia defense, or it could be a long night for Ohio state. If you have a mobile quarterback in this day and age, and he doesn't have the green light to run when the other team is, is playing man and everybody's got their backs to the quarterback and no one's necessarily open. If he doesn't have that green light and that confidence to run at that point, you're really handcuffing your team in this day and age because those are those are basically free yards. I, I mean, especially if they don't put a spy on your quarterback. And if they do commit a spy to your quarterback, that takes somebody out of the equation. He's gonna have to stay, you know, basically stand there not covering anybody and make a decision on when to come. So it it, it drives me crazy because we know. C.J. Stroud can run the football. We've seen him do it uh, on a few occasions. In fact, his first career touchdown came on a, on a scramble play. So um, you also need to have a quarterback draw in your arsenal. There, there are a lot of a lot of plays where the quarterback has the opportunity to make plays with his feet. And I think that if you never run the football with your quarterback, it also makes it difficult to ask him to sneak it. I, I think that that makes everything a little bit hesitant a little bit uh I, I think it knocks some of the confidence away and and it makes everything that split second slower that the defense needs to react and make a play so I, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors if that's the case and we don't know that that's the case but all we can do is look at what has happened on the field both with justin fields and cj stroud and come to the conclusion that these guys aren't running as much as you might expect them to run so there must be something keeping them from doing that. And that has to be, that has to be the coaching that they're getting. Don't, I want you to look down the field, spend those extra three seconds. Someone will, someone will come open and we'll have a 50 yard play. Um, you don't always have to go for the home run. You know, you can score just as many run runs in a baseball game, hitting a bunch of singles and doubles. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't like that philosophy. If that indeed is the philosophy inside the Woody Hayes, precisely. And I think you hit it right on the head. Free yards. Uh, when you're playing against some of the teams that Ohio State did this year, and I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, for example, when they played against, you know, let's say like Arkansas State or um, you know Indiana or you know some of the other teams that didn't do well. Um, it's the kind of thing where, okay, you might be able to get away with not taking those free yards. When you are playing against the teams that are in the college football playoff, such as Georgia or Michigan, you have to take advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. So I think you're onto something that it's something that, and I, I respect and understand where Ryan Day 
may be coming from because like you said we don't know for sure you know this is just pure speculation on on our part mm -hmm. but i would i would make the argument that when you are going up against the premier defensive teams such as georgia and let's let's as you said earlier let's hope that it's okay two games I, i'm gonna go out on a limb i don't think it's a wild and crazy prediction to say that okay that second team would would be michigan uh for the national championship that I think C.J. Stroud, as talented as a as a passer as he is, that he's going to have to use his legs as well because the the opportunity to gain, like you said, those free yards. I don't care if they're three, four, five. Um, that might make the difference between keeping a drive alive or possibly you know going for it on fourth and short. And you never know what the results of those might be. Yeah, uh, you don't ever want to get in. And and find that out if you don't have to. You, you you keep making first downs on second or third down. You don't have to you don't have to convert as many must have it plays. And you know that was always the thing about having a mobile quarterback is that you you know you, when you have one of those third and twos, you get them on the run and you roll them out, and he's got an opportunity to throw the ball. Or if he doesn't like what he sees, he can take off. And you don't you don't see that from this offense. You didn't really you didn't really see it much with Justin Fields and and this is a guy Fields who runs like a 43440. I mean the guy is amazingly fast and he never really got a chance to show those wheels all that often at Ohio State. So um it, this is baked into the Ryan Day offensive plan it seems like. So uh, e either that or I mean CJ Stroud has said he's got the green light to run, but when you know, but but you you get that company line of of when you have receivers like this, you you know you want to give them every opportunity to get open. Uh, like I said, uh, yeah, you can you can try to buy them those two three extra seconds, and maybe you make a big play or take the sure thing. I mean, it's like I'd rather take the sure thing myself, you know. Absolutely. Always take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, we'll we'll talk about it in much greater detail about, you know, what CJ, you know, needs to do when playing against Georgia, because that defense is tremendous. I mean, pretty much at, at every level. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I certainly believe that, you know, like you said, the company line that the Ohio State's wide receivers, they're gonna they're gonna do their damage. But I'm also of the opinion that CJ Stroud is going to need to recognize that if the pocket breaks down, that he's not going to have the luxury of being able to scramble, you know, liberally back. I don't think he's going to have nearly the amount of time that I think that he believes no. uh, if the pocket breaks down and he's going to need to gain those positive yards with his legs. Yeah, those, those D linemen run like linebackers and their linebackers run like cornerbacks so exactly uh, you don't run backwards you get out you get out of the tackle box and you get rid of it uh, yep you know or you tuck it and get what you can get out of it if it's one yard it's that's one less yard that you've lost and one yard closer yard of your first down so i agree with you cj stroud though finished third in the heisman voting and uh congrats to him for being a two-time finalist that's pretty awesome it's uh not many players get to do that and and he was able to do that so congratulations to him congratulations to everyone who uh who we just talked about who got a new job or or got some kind of award or got accepted to and to play in the senior bowl congrats to all, to all buckeyes everywhere and we we still have more to talk about so right. i you know and as it relates to uh, you know, recruiting will, will the early signing period is, is next week. So, I mean, I'm sure that there are going to be news stories that will break between now and then, uh, we, we still have no idea in terms of what kind of possible commitments may be taking place within the transfer portal. I mean, there's just a lot going on beyond the, the, the peach bowl. But like I said, at the onset, I think the peach bowl, the preparations for the, for the game against Georgia are probably the, the the biggest priority for the Ohio State coaching staff right now. Yeah. All right. You brought up the Peach Bowl. We're not going to talk about it this week. We, uh, we're we going to save our preview for the week after Christmas. So we'll be taking next week off, actually, and we will be reconvening and uh, dropping a, a new episode on the 27th, which will be our Peach Bowl preview. And 
we'll make our predictions and, and get ready for Georgia then and all of that fun stuff, our picks to click. And uh, hopefully the week after that, we'll be preparing for a championship game, but we'll, we'll take it one at a time, just like the players. Uh, we have a lot of other bowl games though. We're going to talk about in just a bit. Uh, we're going to go through all the other big 10 schools that got invited to a bowl game. We're going to talk about their matchups. We're going to get to all of that right after this. And we're back, Chip, and it turns out that nine of the 14 Big Ten schools are going to be playing postseason football this year. The teams that did not qualify were Northwestern, Rutgers, Indiana, Nebraska, and Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State messing up at home against Indiana, blowing a lead and, and not becoming bowl eligible. Otherwise, there would be 10. And... I, I guess, you know, when when just looking at this list, because I have some notes, you know, in terms of the different games and things of that nature. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan State, you know, we we talked about it before, you know, like they they dug themselves a hole starting off the, the season so poorly. And then it certainly seemed as though like they were like you like you said, like it was it was well within their grasp to get to that magic number six. For the bull, and then they blew, they they blew it. So it's for them to be sitting at home. They they only have themselves to blame for starting out poorly and then finishing poorly. Yeah, they pulled out some nice uh, unexpected wins in the middle of the season, and and that helped them get back into contention. But uh, but yeah, the that second half and overtime against Indiana was a killer. Um, let's take these. I think uh, chronologically, we're going to start. That's what I was. That's what I was expecting. But yeah, absolutely. See, you know, we're so in (laughs) tune with each other. We've been doing this only for a few years, but yeah, we know each other so well, Chip. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I think we have a similar mindset, similar focus. We're going to start with the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix, which I think maybe used to be the cheese it bowl. Um, It it could have been. Yeah, I, it could have been. I, I that's I don't thing. know what I don't know what guaranteed rate bowl is. I, and and quite frankly, when you see these kids opting out of bowl games, it's because of the names of these games. It's not you because that, they're afraid to get hurt. It's because they just don't want to play in a Duke's Mayo Bowl or whatever a Trans Perfect Music City Bowl is. What what are these names, man? These are some terrible names. Well, kind of what I said before, you know, before we started recording is, you know, the it's like there there is no Poulan Weed Eater Independence Bowl on this list, unfortunately. No. I mean, can you talk about some some great corporate name, you know, in terms of, you know, the um, you know, the yeah, you're right. The guaranteed rate bowl. Like I have no idea what the guaranteed rate organization is i i can only you know i can only speculate but yeah probably a lender of some type something exactly yeah but it's on uh it's on the 27th of december Mm -hmm. so this will pit the wisconsin badgers against oklahoma state december 27th at 10 15 p.m eastern time so it's uh it's too late for you chip a little too late some (laughs) of us actually I, i mean some of us have to wake up early you know to to work not that i'm expecting the week in between christmas and new year's to be chock full of activity but still mm-hmm. you know i have to be ready to answer the bell you know because the yeah. man you know the man is 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 keeping an eye you know right. so it's like you know have to be ready but yeah like 10 15 is starting to push bedtime for mr minnick over here yeah i mean i gotta work on the 28th but i'll be up watching that game uh, this is an interesting matchup for a couple reasons. Um, Graham Mertz going to the transfer portal. Uh, this is a Wisconsin team that's going to be coached by Luke Fickle next year. Uh, so team in transition against, uh, you know, Mike Gundy's been at Oklahoma state a long time. Uh, I don't know what, what, uh, how the matchup is going to be. I, I, I assume that Wisconsin will be like they always are and, and be, you know, as sound as can be defensively. 
But if they're anything like they've been all season, they're not going to have the offense to keep up with Oklahoma State in my mind. I, I see this as a, a win for Oklahoma State. I agree. I think, I mean, uh, Jim Leonard, it, it came out that Jim Leonard is is actually not going to be a part of Luke Fickle's staff. He's decided after the conclusion of this season to move on to other things. Uh, and I respect that decision. I'm sure uh, Luke Fickle probably also understands, you know, how difficult uh, that that could have been uh, for, for Jim Leonard to stick around. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Graham Mertz moving on uh, in the transfer portal. So Luke Fickle has been busy hiring his staff, recruiting, Wisconsin's going to have a, a tremendous amount of transition and change with just kind of uh, everything that I've read in terms of the, the the new offensive philosophy that that Luke Fickle wants to try to implement. So I agree with you. I think Oklahoma State should win this. I I mean, offense has never been the problem for Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. even though Wisconsin is usually pretty strong defensively. I don't think that they will be able to keep pace with Oklahoma State in this one. Yeah, I believe Braylon Allen has has recommitted or has, has reaffirmed his commitment to remain a Badger. Yes. Uh, so that's good news for the Badgers and good news for Luke Fickle, obviously. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there's just a little too much turmoil at Wisconsin for my liking in this matchup. So um, that's uh, December 27th. And just two days later, uh, in the Bronx, New York, in Yankee Stadium, a terrible place for a football game. The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl will take place, and I, I've never seen a Bad Boy Mower. I, I've I've seen you know, um, Lawn Boy. <laughs> I've seen right. you know, some Hondas and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's a, a mower brand, but uh, Minnesota will take on Syracuse at two o'clock. Eastern time on December 29th. Uh, who do you like? Do you like uh, PJ Fleck rowing the boat there? Or do you like uh, Syracuse? They're uh, losing their defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's uh, coaching in this game or not. Um, so to answer your question, I the, the first part of the question, I do like Minnesota simply because of, and again, we're a few weeks out, you know, so the weather forecast, you never know, but uh, no disrespect to Syracuse. They do play in a dome and I think Minnesota, I think they are used to sometimes, you know, the inclement weather. Uh, I think Mo Ibrahim could have a solid game. And then as far as, um, you know, the whole bad boy more, no, I, I'm a Honda mower, uh, enthusiast myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen a bad boy more. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that this, this bowl game is usually, I mean, I, I take what we, what I'm saying about bad boy mowers out of the equation. I always, the pinstripe bowl, I, I seem to recall one team, I, I think it might've been, uh, we were talking about Wisconsin earlier. Uh, I think Wisconsin just crushed the, the Miami hurricanes in this bowl game years ago because they were just freezing because it was in new york like you said it's a terrible terrible venue you know on december 29th the, the weather seems likely that it's going to favor minnesota so i'm going to go with the golden golfers here okay that's good reason as any and, and i will have to admit of the 1000 plus players who entered the portal i had not kept up with which ones are from these big 10 schools that are being in these bowl games other than you know some of the bigger names like ram mertz so um I don't know what uh, these teams are facing in terms of, of portal transfers or people opting out. Uh, these are these are wild cards and variables that you know I I just don't have the energy uh, to to follow in much the same way as I don't have the energy to follow the uh, the recruiting uh, game. Uh, but uh, yeah, Minnesota and Syracuse, I I do think that that's a, a an environment that might favor. Uh, Minnesota, even though it's closer to the folks in Syracuse. I think Northwestern's played in that game a couple of times, if memory serves as well. Um, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which sounds gross. Mayo's gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I've actually been to that stadium for a soccer game, not a, not a football game. Uh, that is 
going to be December 30th at noon Eastern time. It's NC State against the Maryland Terrapins. And uh, NC State had a, a pretty good season, a very under-the-radar good season for NC State. And uh, Maryland doesn't play as well away from Maryland. They, they're really, really tough at Maryland. And they just seem like anybody could beat them when they leave. So I like NC State in this game. I can't agree. I, I, I can't agree with you more um, about NC State. Um, as far as the Mayo, I I am not a, a Mayo person. Uh, I really, I'm not. I'm not as I'm not as passionately, you know, opposed to it as you are. I really, I mean, it's not something that 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 bothers me. What would probably you know make you ill? And I may I may have this mistaken. I want to say you know how like the traditional the the dousing of the coach with the Gatorade. I want to say that they they pour a thing of mayonnaise over the winning coach. I am I am being completely serious. I and know. I think that they they pour mayo over the winning coach in I the Duke's think that mayo they, bowl. I think that that was a thing that I don't think they did it the first year and I think there was such like an online push for it that they decided to do it. And uh again, it's gross and somebody's going to get sick. <laughs> well, it just kind of reminds me of that old adage of, you know, like many years ago, I'm sure you recall how, you know, for example, like in the, the what was the, the then big eight, where, you know, if like, for example, like Nebraska, when they were a member of it, or Colorado, and if they had won the big eight, that they would throw oranges on the mm-hmm you know, on the field, you know, to represent that they were going to the orange bowl. Yeah. And I remember Lou Holtz um, made, he, he had a famous quip. He's like, I'm just glad that we're not playing in the Gator bowl, you know, basically like the idea, you know, so um, maybe you would prefer dealing with live Gators than, than getting doused with a bucket of mayo, but I'm not here to judge. That's pick your poison there. I think, uh, but it's, <laughs> Yeah, I I do remember we used to bring roses uh, to the Michigan That's game. Right. If if you know if that game was for all the marbles, we would we would bring roses and we would toss those and and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, you can keep your mayo and um, <laughs> you know uh, I don't know uh, doesn't 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 do anything for me. <laughs> and and you know I I uh, that's why I always make fun of of Quebec because. Uh, you have to tell them not to put mayo on your burger there, or they will put mayo on your burger. And there, okay, see, travel, not just football insight, but travel insight from, right. from Michael Citro. All right, uh, let's move on to the 31st. This will be the day that Ohio State plays. Yes. Uh, the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium. Iowa will be playing Kentucky at 12 noon Eastern time. This is, I believe the second year in a row, Iowa and Kentucky will meet in a bowl game. And I'm, I'm not excited about this game. <laughs> nor should, nor should you be because I I may have this mistaken, but I believe Will Levis, the quarterback for Kentucky has opted out. Mm, I uh, think so. And then, and so when we talk about the ops out, you know, say what you will about, okay. Yeah. He opted out not because of concerns about the NFL draft and being injured, but because of the horrible name. Yeah. As you, as you surmise. Uh, so you're going with, all right, a Kentucky team that is without their starting quarterback. And then you've got an Iowa team that is just offensively woeful. I don't know really. I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you in terms of like who would be favored in this matchup. Like this is, you, you want to talk about, you know, a game that probably falls very, very low in terms of the interest level. I have not even ventured as to, you know, how inexpensive the tickets might be. I couldn't begin to tell you, you know, who's going to come out on top on this mm-hmm. one. I'm going to go Iowa 13, Kentucky 10. Iowa's defense once again, comes to okay. the rescue. I think Alex Padilla also is transfer portal bound. That's right. That's right. Now that you mention it. Okay. So now you've got Spencer Petrus you know, going to be healthy for this thing. Right. I mean, it's just, it's like, okay, who's, who's playing and 
do we, you know, do we, do we have to actually televise this? So that's the thing is that, and it's, it's going to even, I mean, I don't even know what's going to become of some of these games when, when they expand the playoff, but they mean nothing and the kids know it and they don't necessarily get excited about it anymore. So if you're an underclassman, you might be okay with it because you're going to play. But if you're a senior, you're leaving anyway, or if you're thinking of transfer and you're not even going to be in this game. So it's, it's just a really bizarre situation and it's hard to get excited about it. And the bulls are ruined. The bulls have been ruined. I'm sorry. But so, I mean, the, that that's actually down in Nashville, correct? This game. Yes. Okay. So I, I mean, on a personal note, Nashville is a very fun town. Yeah. It's a good town. Um, Now, Temperature wise, it'll it'll be chilly. It won't be as bad as the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl. My prediction, uh, you know, being you know several hours to the south. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to your larger point, I think these are the kind of bowl games that will become casualties in the the, the grand scheme of things as it relates to the playoff. That's just because. There's only so much money to go around. There's only in there's only so many television windows in terms of like availability, you know, when to televise these games. So I think you're right. I think the bowl games are going to be a casualty of the expanding playoff. But to your point, I think, you know, like the, the playoff actually means something in comparison to what these bowl games have become. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what this company is. I don't know what TransPerfect does. What What does that say to you? It doesn't say anything about music. That's for sure. Because yeah. um, <laughs> the music city, you know, like I, I couldn't begin to, yeah, TransPerfect, maybe it's some kind of, you know, trans, you know, like for transportation. I don't know. I don't know what, what TransPerfect does. No, I, I don't either. And, and, you know, that's the thing we're, we're saying the name and, and maybe some people will Google it. I, I don't even care enough to Google it. I'm 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 already anticipating like the the torches and and pitchforks about your anti mayo crusade, you know. So um, you know, if, we'll, if we'll find out. I I say <laughs> this to to the pro mayo crowd. I I can take it. Bring it on. Give me send me your hate. Silver you bullets. Go. Silver bullets pod at gmail dot com. Uh, <laughs> tell me why I should care about your disgusting white goo. <laughs> <laughs> Every sandwich is better without it. There you go. Um, all right. That brings us to uh, the same day. This is uh, this is the other semifinal, the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. Not just the Fiesta Bowl, but the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I do know what Verbo is. It's a, It's a terrible name. I know what it is. I know what they do. But your name sucks. I'm sorry, but it just does. This is in Glendale, Arizona. December 31st, 4 p.m. Eastern time, Michigan against TCU. And I think TCU is going to get a rude awakening as to what it's like to actually play a team that is battle-tested and and good enough to go all the way. Not only battle-tested, but they are committed to their offensive philosophy of running the ball and just slowly but surely just kind of wearing a defense down and uh when it comes to TCU that I mean they are offensively they they are solid but I don't think that they have nearly the kind of stamina or strength to to match Michigan for four quarters so I think the Wolverines will win this one very comfortably I mean if you're if your quarterback is running for his life when Kansas State comes to play you um, Michigan has a better pass rush. Absolutely. So uh, that is also on the 31st. That's it for the month of December in the year of 2022. And then we turn the calendar over. But Chip, there's no games on New Year's Day. Just simply because of falling on on Sunday. That's it's the the college football world has seeded. Uh, to the to the NFL. I don't like it. I get it. I understand. I mean, and I like the NFL, but I don't like no New Year's Day bowl games. That's that's the only reason to have New Year's Day is to have bowl games. (laughs) Uh, 
All right, so we got to skip to the second. And the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa, Florida, which I think at one time might have been the CarQuest Bowl. <laughs> but this might have been this might have been the Outback Bowl. I believe it, it was the been. Outback Bowl, yes. It so, was also the Outback Bowl, yes. You know, as long as you get a Bloomin' Onion. No, don't tell me you're against Bloomin' Onions, too. No, I like a Bloomin' okay. Onion. Okay. I don't know about that sauce that they serve with it, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay but yeah i so yeah the the rely quest bowl on january 2nd at mm-hmm. 12 p.m illinois versus mississippi state and on the positive side congratulations to illinois for making you know a a bowl game in year two of um you know brett bielema's tenure nobody anticipated i i guess you know i shouldn't say nobody but more than likely you know we were talking about some of those other bowl games earlier like the six and six type games that's mm-hmm. kind of what i think most people had anticipated so to get to the rely quest bowl is a major achievement i don't know what a rely quest is chip I, it doesn't sound fun <laughs> is it i don't know is it an nft is it, is it a crypto? I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game's at noon on the second. And um, in all seriousness, I, I don't know who's coaching this game for Mississippi State because as you and I are doing this show, um, the latest update we have is that Mike Leach is in very critical condition in the hospital after suffering a heart attack. So, um, and and his colleagues were on Twitter on Sunday night asking people to pray for him and that he needs a miracle and things of that nature. And that does not sound good at all. So we don't, we don't have any update from Mississippi state other than what they put out, which was a very generic um, statement about him being, you know, in the hospital and, in, um, you know, serious or critical condition. And, and they're not going to have any more updates at this time. Uh, so we don't know what the status uh, of the coaching staff will be for um, Mississippi State in this game, um, and 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 indeed, if if the worst happens with Mike Leach, will Mississippi State continue to play in this game? Very good point. Yeah, I mean, um, prayers out to Mike Leach and his family and loved ones. Uh, it's a very serious situation. Like you said, you know, we don't know what you know, in terms of like what is going on at this moment, besides, you know, what we have read on social media, but it is a very serious situation. I think you raise a really good point. Uh, it would not be beyond um, speculation that um, if Coach Leach were to pass that Mississippi State may completely reconsider uh, participating in this bowl game. So, I mean, it remains to be seen. Um, we'll you know, we'll know more uh, by the next time we record a podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are are with Mike Leach and his family and friends right now. And 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 certainly this ReliaQuest Bowl is nowhere near uh, as important as that. And, um, you know, in, in, in a normal circumstance, this might be one of the more intriguing matchups in the Big Ten. Absolutely. I, I mean, it, you know, certainly, you know, Mississippi State's uh, style of offense to throw the ball all over the all over the field. You contrast that with Illinois, which is more of a, you know, a physical style you know, running the ball. Um, Illinois, again, very underrated defensively. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see, you know, if it if it comes to pass. Um, also January 2nd, 1 PM Eastern time start here where I live in Orlando, Florida, the cheese it citrus bowl. Finally, a name I can get behind chip. There you go. There you go. Uh, I do like me a cheese it and, uh, or a box of them, <laughs> especially the white cheddar ones there. I believe that the secret ingredient is crack in the white cheddar cheese. It's, but that's going to pit LSU against Purdue and I'm not excited about this matchup because I think LSU is just going to kick the holy crap out of Purdue. Especially considering um, the loss of their, you know, Purdue's coach, 
you know, Jabram went back home. He went back home to, to Louisville. And everything that I've read is that this was not an unexpected occurrence by Purdue that they, this basically, it's like, they, they knew that if Louisville were to ever open that, okay, that Brahm, that's where his head and heart, you know, he, he grew up there, he played there, you know? And so, uh, you know, the fact that he went there, it doesn't sound like there are any hard feelings from Purdue. Um, as of this recording, they have not made any kind of permanent head coach announcement. Um, I think that they're going to, you know, I think that they actually elevated Jeff Brown's brother, Brian, to be the interim head coach for the bowl game. But I agree with what you said. I think LSU has too much, even though like they they have a number of, of players that are have declared for the NFL draft. I still think LSU will, will win this game easily. Yeah. So that brings us to the final game on the schedule, and that is the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. That is going to be January 2nd, which I hate. It should be January 1st, but it's not. And I'm mad. I am the grumpy old Buckeye right now about this. <laughs> 5 p.m. on January 2nd, Penn State against Utah. And this should be a good game. And as we know, Utah has no quit. There is no quit in the Utah Utes. Uh, I think that Utah can give Penn State all it can handle. And, and I expect this to be a pretty good back and forth game. I agree. And, you know, it was only, you know, less than a year ago at this time. I mean, Utah had the better of Ohio State for most of that game. Ohio State had to really scrap and claw uh, to get back into that game and eventually prevail. So I would, even with, like I saw Clark Phillips, who was arguably Utah's best defensive back, he declared for the NFL draft. Um, even with a player of his stature sitting sitting this out, um, I think Utah defensively might be too much for for Penn State. I know that uh, Penn State really turned it on, um, especially down the stretch. And I think they, they've got some very young players to be excited about. But I'm going to give the edge to Utah in this one in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and their tight end uh, also is going to go pro. I'm not sure if he's opted out of the bowl game as well. Lucas Kincaid. Uh, okay, he's he is the safety blanket uh, for Cam Rising, their quarterback. So if he doesn't play, that's going to help Penn State quite a bit. But I, I think this is <laughs> going to be a back and forth game. I like I like Utah's defense to control Penn State's offense. I think it'll be I think a fairly low scoring game, but I I think it'll be in the twenties. And I really don't know who's going to win this. I, I'm not going to even pick a winner because I think this is a kind of a coin flip game for me. I mean, it, you're right. I mean, it, it's tough to it's tough to call because I think you know Penn State definitely. You know, we talked about it on previous podcasts. Penn State, yeah, they were beaten um, by Michigan and Ohio State, but other than I mean, like they actually played very well despite those those two losses. Yeah. So, and then Utah really impressed me with just I mean the tenaciousness that they played against USC being down 17 to three and just. Mm -hmm the physical style of play that they demonstrated that got them not only back into the game, but actually, you know, had them win convincingly against USC. So that's why, like I said, I'm going to get the slight edge to Utah, but with players opting out, I mean, it, it really could be a coin flip game. Like you said, Yeah, uh, I do expect Utah to once again, start slowly in this game and then kind of climb into the game. That's kind of been their forte. And then also, uh, I think being so close to winning a Rose Bowl last year, those returning Utah players are going to remember how that felt. And I think, I think that you're going to see their best effort in this game. It's I, I, I will say that of the non-playoff games, non-college football playoff games, this game might have some of the biggest hitting of, of all the bowl games. Oh, easily. Absolutely. Utah, I mean, they... That's one thing that I came away just admiring and I, I will freely admit uh, desiring of Ohio State when they play defense is to, to play with that kind of just, you know, punishing physical 
you know, make you kind of regret growing across the middle type defense. I'm not saying that they're not, they're not dirty. They're not taking cheap shots. They just hit hard and they hit frequently. And I think after a while, players that are on the receiving end of those hits, they don't want to, they don't want to go across the middle anymore. Yeah. They make you earn every yard. And that's absolutely that's that is a cumulative effect. As you said, as the game goes on, you really, you already know what that cost is going to be. And the more you have to pay it as you go, you know, you really got to, it's a real battle of will to continue to want to, to win every yard uh, as you play this, this team um, deeper and deeper into a game. So um, we'll see how it goes, but uh, that's it. That's the slate of big 10 games. And, you know, other than, a little bit of the uncertainty, not knowing who's going to play in some of these cases, not knowing uh, much about what the coaching situation is going to be in some of these games, and uh, just the absolute awful names of some of them. Um, if not for all that, this would be pretty intriguing slate of games. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, again, you know, it's we're fortunate that uh, you know when it came to um, the college football playoff, you know, we're just talking about Utah, you know, like they, they did Ohio state a tremendous favor by winning so soundly against USC to get Ohio state into the, the college football playoff. Cause let's face it. I mean, like there were reports that Ohio state, they had difficulty selling out their ticket allotment last year for the Rose bowl. You know, you touched on it earlier and I agree with you. I think that these bowl games, when, when you compare and contrast them to the, to the, playoff field it's it's kind of difficult to get the you know the level of excitement up there you know even as ohio state fans you know so i think you know some of these games you know i absolutely like i i mean i i joked about it but it's true is that you know like some of the some of the kickoff times like you know during the week or like late at night you know i'll be you know have work obligations so it just remains to be seen like what kind of you know, attendance as well as television viewing that a lot of these bowl games are going to get. Yeah. I mean, some of these games are on work days in the middle of the day. Uh, I know a lot of people do have that week off between Christmas and New Year's, but I think most people still don't have that time off. So uh, unless they, you know, use personal time or vacation days or whatever. And, um, you know, if you are using your vacation day, on December 29th, do you want to watch the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl chip, or do you want to go do something fun? Uh, what could be more fun than watching the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I would be watching the Duke's Mayo bowl though. I don't, I don't there you go. There you go. That, 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 you're just making a personal, a personal, you know, objection, you know, a personal protest. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have, maybe I would, maybe I would watch it in a protest. Maybe I would have a sandwich with miracle whip. Uh, there you while go. Watching the Mayo Bowl. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, that's that's uh, that's what we had prepared for this week, Chip. I, I don't know if you have anything that you thought of uh, off the cuff that you want to discuss now, or are you good? I'm good. Like you said, we're taking next week off, mm-hmm. and then when we come back, uh, by that time, besides talking about the Peach Bowl, we can touch on the the early signing recruits because there are going to be people signing on the 21st uh right now in terms of you know who is who is coming who is you know wavering you know that's part of the reason why we don't really go into it i i i on a personal until somebody actually until i see it come across and mark pantoni is is saying you know so and so has sent in their letter or like they're the latest member to sign then i consider that to be a done deal Mm-hmm. Um, so we can, we can touch on recruiting, but absolutely on the 27th, when we were, when we record, we can, uh, talk briefly about recruiting, but we can focus on the peach bowl because that's going to be a huge game for Ohio state. Yeah, for sure. So next week we'll take a break and we'll spend some time with our families and, uh, get ready for the holiday. And then right after the holiday, you and I will be back at it, previewing the chick-fil-a peach bowl uh i like me a chick-fil-a you like chick-fil-a i do but i don't see the the, all the big hype about it to me it's a chicken sandwich um you know like so like so for example when 
whenever I've gone and like there's a line and every and don't get me wrong, it's good. I'm, I'm not, but it's like okay, I I don't see why people make such a huge deal out of basically what is a chicken sandwich. That's just yeah. me. I, I go for the spicy myself. There you go, spicy chicken. It's good, um, but yeah, it's. And I tell you one thing, a lot of fast food places could take um, a page from their methodology of uh, getting out in front of that line and taking those orders ahead. Uh, I mean, you don't even use that stupid thing that you drive up to and they don't even use the speaker. They just come out to you and and take it. So um, good logistics from that. I agree. I agree. Um, Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about the. Buckeyes and the Georgia Bulldogs. Then maybe we'll have a guest. We'll we'll put out some feelers. We'll see if uh, we'll see who's available and who can uh, can be on. Of course, it is the holidays, so uh, we'll see. And uh, in the meantime, since we won't see you before then, we will we wish you a very happy holiday season. Obviously, um, and then when we come back, we can wish you the new you know the happy new year that would be coming up. But uh, for now, this is this is a uh, this is going to be it until just after Christmas. So, um, yeah, you won't have a show next week. So I'm sorry about that. If you were looking for uh, some distraction from your family, you're going to have to find something else. Uh, but <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Uh, Chip, where can people find you and your work online? I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick, last name spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. Look for uh, an article dropping on land grant holy land around 12 p.m eastern three things to watch this coming weekend is kind of what i'm i'm thinking is going to be the perspective and i realize you're probably thinking well i can't watch the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl this weekend or the duke's mayo bowl but have no have no fear i've got some other games that you might be interested so i'm going to be talking about that um so um Look for that on Land Grant Holy Land around 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike36Fan. You can find my writing at Land Grant Holy Land. And I dropped a story on Monday uh, about the first and only so far meeting between Ohio State and Georgia and how the programs of both of those storied universities uh, are in much different places now than they were during the 1993 <laughs> bowl game that they played against each other. And, um, you know, the, 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 some of the differences in, in style, some of the similarities they had at the time and, uh, you know, sort of a, like a little bit of a flashback, but also a, a look ahead. So, uh, check that out at uh, landgrantholyland.com. You can also, of course, email us here at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. If you have any comments or questions or just want to say hello and let us know you're out there, that'd be great. We'd also appreciate it if you would uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at silverbulletspod on Twitter, but there's no E in silver. So it's S-I-L-V-R bulletspod on Twitter. And of course, uh, we would love it if you would give us a star rating and review wherever you download this podcast. We would appreciate it. It helps us get seen by more people and, and go up in the, you know, the, the, the algorithm and how they rank us and that kind of stuff and who they show us to, because it's important. You might know this already, but there are a few Ohio state football podcasts out there. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're the ones who have the show that are we're that that's hosted by a couple of uh, middle-aged white guys. Exactly. That's what sets us apart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the silver bullets podcast. Thank you so much for listening again. Have uh, if you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, have a great one. And uh, we're off next week. We'll be back the week after to get ready for the college football playoff. So there's only one thing left for us to do, Chip, and that is to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks.